this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. I'm your host, Derek Howard. Comic Book Noise can be found at comicbooknoise.com and it's part of the Deliberate Noise Network. Um, if you like more details, please go to deliberatenoise.com. And if you think that deliberatenoise.com looks like a piece of shit, please uh, email me with any kind of um, recommendations for changes or things you'd like to see on that site. By emailing me at Derek, that's D-E-R-E-K, at comicbooknoise.com. Or you can call me at 734-331-0772, I believe. I don't know. I haven't had a phone call on there in such an incredibly long time. Um, but first, I would like to thank, uh, before I go on, um, I'm all over the place. I don't know if you can hear it, but they're doing uh, road work right outside my window which is really irritating. So um, if you can't hear it, you're lucky. But anyway, I'd like to thank the the patrons um, who keep the show going. It's at uh, uh, patreon.com slash comic book noise, I think. If not, just let me know and I'll point you in the right direction. But I would like to thank <clears throat> Dave Slusher, Bruce Rosenberger, Edmore Jr., Vicious Smith, Rick, Ken Kennedy, Chris, Dave Levine, Frankie DeJesus, and Sean Crump. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, one and all. I really appreciate it. Help keep the lights turned on. And, of course, I would also like to thank Mike Myers, um, who does so much in the background while not being a patron. It's um, it's almost embarrassing <laughs> when I don't put out a show in a while. <clears throat> excuse me but uh mike is a great guy all my patrons are great guys um and everybody who's listening right now you're all right <laughs> anyway i'm gonna start off with a, a a bit of a comic review um this is something that was on my pull list uh from um uh, DCBS. This is actually. Sorry about that. This is actually. Uh, it's it's not a series. It was just a uh, a, a one off. It's um, from Caliber Comics. It's H.P. Lovecraft's The Tomb. Oh, I forgot to write down the uh, the creative team. But um, lately, I've been reading. And uh, listening to audiobooks of uh, a lot of H.P. Lovecraft stuff. Because, quite frankly, the only thing I knew about H.P. Lovecraft is that, like, um, most people of his uh, time, he's like a huge racist, and that's all I knew about him. And then I said, you know what? Let me listen to some of his stories and then I started reading some of his stories and for being a uh, unabashed 
racist and uh, uh, mentally ill person, he had some pretty good ideas, you know, about in story story ideas, not ideas in general about black folks. Because no, <laughs> no, he did not. <clears throat> anyway, I'm not gonna go into. If you really just if you really want to know, just look up H.P. Lovecraft, uh, racist. You'll you'll get your fill. Trust me. Anyway, the tomb is actually a story that I uh, really liked. You know, I thought it was uh, very chilling, you know. And this book was uh, this particular adaptation. The writer is Stephen Philip Jones. The artist is Octavio Cariello. I don't know. The letterer is uh, Tim Allred. It's in black and white. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. The story is like a great story. It's, um, I'm not going to, uh, all right, I'm going to read the, 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 the blurb on the back, but I'm going to try to not spoil anything as though what a fucking hundred year old story can be, um, spoiled. But this is, uh, one of Lovecraft's earliest classics in comic book format. Do ghosts exist? Do ghosts, do ghosts exist <laughs> since childhood jarvis dudley has visited a secluded and locked tomb on his family's rhode island estate dudley believes he can commune with the ancestral ghosts who inhabit the tomb and many of whom mysteriously perished during a wicked party over 200 years ago when a fire consumed the dudley's first estate but is dudley mad mad is insane pretty sure he's pissed off about something anyway it's a good story um it was one of the first ones because you know i had listened to his stories you know um and i thought they were just okay i didn't really uh get them and then there was one that just clicked with me i can't remember which one it was but it just clicked i was like ooh, that was kind of cool <laughs> you know and then um further i got into them there were some that i really enjoyed there were some that were just like oh, that didn't seem right um apparently when you know after he died one of his friends started to uh like fill in the blanks of like outlines that the dude had the dude being um lovecraft i can't remember his friend's name but uh if you ever read or hear a lovecraft story where <laughs> the good guy is fighting and sort of wins, like in the story of the Dark Brotherhood, uh, that was that had a ghostwriter, you know, ghostwriter, the guy who um, took Lovecraft's original story and quote unquote finished it. But anyway, but the the tomb I remember being one that I liked, so I said, hey. I see that it's in, um, it's coming up. Uh, this is a, a new printing. Is this a new printing? Um, I hope this is a new printing. Uh, this is volume one. Doesn't have a print thing on it. But anyway, it, it I don't know when this, oh, okay, the copyright was 208, 200, uh, 2018. 
Um, so I decided, yo, I'm going to pick it up, right? And the story, good. The adaptation is really good. It kept things moving at a really good pace. Because, um, you know, sometimes with adaptations, they try too hard to keep the same pacing as whatever it is they're adapting. Um, like uh, uh, movies. Do they even really adapt movies anymore? But anyway, um, there are times when you can tell that the story just feels sort of broken. Um, but I didn't get that impression with this. Uh, the, the writing, the dialogue, it's all really good. You know, the artwork is just awesome. Um, the lettering, there's nothing uh, obtrusive about the lettering. The, the white spaces is perfect. You don't have any, like, long words that are broken up <laughs> with uh, hyphens that just take you out of what you're reading. Um, it's really good. The only drawback, and this is a major drawback to me, is the production itself. It's like the transfer. Um, if you've ever printed on uh, <laughs> printed in black and white a an image that you got off the internet, and you try to blow it up. And you know how the, 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 the quality just looks jaggy, um, almost pixelated, if you will. It's just, it's just really bad. And that's the only drawback I have with this book is that everything looks like it was from a, um, a JPEG or a PNG at, at a bad resolution you know and they couldn't fix it without redoing the whole thing because i'm telling you it's every single line throughout the whole book you know it's just ah it's it's, it's a big drawback if you like lovecraft you probably know the story um if you're getting into them um i would recommend the book if you if you're not hung up on the uh the quality of the artwork itself but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't feel bad that I bought the book. I just wish that um, they had tried just a little bit harder. Because it's, it's really a shame. Because the artwork really deserves better. You know? Anyway, next on my list I have here is Netflix. Uh, Sandman. They have the Sandman. Um, it's a... Uh, at least season one. I don't know if there's going to be a season two. I've read conflicting things where some um, sources say, yes, there definitely will be a, a second one. But, uh, you know, these are sources. These aren't, like, official announcements. So, I don't know. All I know is, is that I liked it. Um, it's pretty much the telling of the early issues of Sandman. Um, or if you're reading it in uh, in trade paperback form, it's uh, volume one. Uh, but they take out the direct ties to the DC universe. Um, for example, the uh, the the original oh jeez, Doctor Destiny. He's the one who had uh, 
one of Sandman's um, totems, right? And he had used it in the past to fight the Justice League of America, which was the tie of, you know, Sandman with the, the DC Universe. And they, as Sandman, the comic book progressed, uh, they got away from that. It's sort of like, uh, for a long time, Swamp Thing had gotten away from the DC Universe. Um, because when uh, Alan Moore took over, one of the first things he did was he had images of the Justice League of America. In fact, I think it was uh, Green Arrow who, after, um, I want to say, the Floronic Man had been defeated, he looked, he said, yeah, we had people in Gotham and Metropolis, but who the hell was looking out for... Uh, Huma, Louisiana, which is a real place. I always thought it was something that was made up, um, but apparently it is a real place. And every time um, I hear Huma, Louisiana, that's what I think of. I think of um, Swamp Thing. But anyway, so the original storyline of um, Sandman got uh, retold in this season one. It's not just volume one. It's like volume one and the doll's story. Um, a doll's house, I should say. But the thing is, when I originally was reading Sandman, I uh, I didn't like it. I had the first eight issues. Um, I forgot what it replaced. It, something big, at least to me, had been canceled. And they introduced Sandman in its place. Once again, I apologize. I don't know what it was. I cannot remember. After all these years, I can remember what comic book sh store I bought Sandman in. I cannot remember what it replaced for the life of me, right? But I got the first eight issues because I was going to give it to the first storyline. And when it got done, I really wasn't feeling it, right? Um, I know a lot of people look back and they're like, oh, this is great storytelling. I did not like it at all, right? In fact, I stopped reading it. And then the issue after the last one is when I introduced death. And then that's when the story really took off, right? I've since gone back and I've read all those um, issues that I had skipped over. So I think I had been gone from like eight till oh, mid-30s, mid to late 30s. So I'd missed like about two years of storytelling. Um, I mean, just kept hearing, you know, top 10 books of the year, Sandman. I was like, Sandman, really? That piece of shit, really? <laughs> and then when I got back to the reading, I was like, oh, hell, this is pretty good. And then I went back and read uh, the stuff with the Corinthian. And I was like, oh, shit, this is, this is really good. What have I been missing? And I had read Sandman all up until The Kindly Ones, which is the final um, storyline. And actually, that's on my uh, to-read pile because I finally bought the, the trade paperback. So I will be reading that. But the uh, Sandman uh, Netflix series, I liked it. 
the guy who plays Sandman was, was is really good. He's really appropriate for the role. You know, um, he looks mopey, and there is, but there are times when he'll do do like a half smile, and it looks like a half smile because in the comics, Dream always looks pretty much the same to me. But this guy, he he does a really good job. Um, there are a lot of people who have complained about uh, death because death is played by a, a black woman. Um, she was good in her role, you know. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, the issue. No, I don't know. I think the issue. I think that the episode that was revolved around death might have actually been part of her, like a one shot. I can't remember. Ugh. Anyway, it was a good. It was a good episode. You know, the whole thing was 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 pretty good. Personally, as much as I like Gwendolyn uh, Christie, um, I would not have used her as uh, Lucifer. I would have gotten um, Tom, what's his name, from the TV show. You know, I know that they're trying to keep the uh, the two properties separate, but, I mean, <laughs> he would have been perfect in that role, you know. Um but then again, I like the whole thing. I like the the, the Mazikeen that they had here who does not look like the Mazikeen from TV, which was a good thing because the Mazikeen from TV is, you know, I can't remember her name now. But, you know, she's she's sexy, she's mean, that kind of stuff. But the one from the uh, from the TV show looks absolutely demonic. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, I, I, I really enjoyed watching it you know um i did not binge it because i have learned uh in my life as i'm getting older that the more i binge the less i retain and if it's something that i really like i want to retain as much as i can you know unfortunately i'm also watching this uh anime called one piece and I have to binge that because there's like, I don't know, 6,000 episodes or something. But it's not 6,000. It feels pretty damn close to it. Um, so I was watching it like one episode a day. <laughs> so my other friends who are watching it had binge it and they had consumed the whole thing. They're like, oh my God, this is so good. You should watch it. You should watch it. I said, yeah, I'm watching it. What episode are you on? I'm, on? I'm only on episode four. I'm only on episode five, <laughs> you know, and it's like every day is like, I'm only on episode seven. Just, just shut the hell up about it, please. Uh, I liked it. And then after the season had ended, I want to say like a week or two later, maybe two weeks, Netflix dropped a final episode, um, not final episode, but a final episode of the season that uh, was also really good. I'm serious. I mean, so far, though, the whole package has been really enjoyable. I hope there's another season. Um, but even if there isn't, I'm pretty good with that. You know, there's obviously other ways they can go in because they basically used what, 
13 issues of <laughs> of a 60 issue book not including spinoffs so <clears throat> yeah now while netflix is coming out with sandman which is this uh dreamy ethereal fantasy story that i was familiar with amazon prime was putting out a show called paper girls which i had heard of and oddly enough <laughs> i had owned the uh the trade paperback from a humble bundle right um humble bundle comes out with these comics say hey here you can have like 40 comics for 25 dollars you know with a large portion going to charity i um I bought it, had no really interest in it because it's Brian K. Vaughn, who I know a lot of people love his work. Not a big Brian K. Fan, Brian K. Vaughn fan. There's something about the guy where some of his stuff really hits hard for me, like, oh, yeah, this is really good, and then it'll just fall off. And I, and I know that's me. That's is a, a, a shortcoming of my own, right? Um, for example, lost, uh, Why the Last Man? i spoken on that. I really wanted to like it. I thought the, the first episode... First episode, shit. First issue was really good. Um, and then I didn't like it anymore. I was reading it, and I just wasn't feeling it, you know? That was the part where the two astronauts came down to Earth. Um, two male astronauts. And I thought that that was an okay storyline, but it didn't really. I just, I just don't like it, you know. Like I said, there's some people who say it's their, their favorite ever, their favorite comic book ever. Which, good, everybody should have their own, their own favorite comic book ever. Um, in fact, I think Why the Last Man even had its own TV show. No interest in watching it, none whatsoever. Right. Um, I went back and I read like the last issue to see if they were going to explain what happened to all the men. Uh, I don't even know if they did. I I, I read the the book and it's just like, okay, whatever. So to have a Brian K. Vaughn um, property does not do as much for me as it does for other people. And I realize this is just me. Other people, like I said, like his work. People I like and respect. They really are into his stuff. But I just... just no, just not me. Um, he did a, a book for um, Marvel called uh, Runaways, right? And they were like first... Like storyline or two, I was like, okay, I'm really into this. And then there's just something that happened. I was like, oh, I don't care anymore. And it's it's me. I know that. There are times when I'll be watching a television show and I really love it. I'm into it. And all of a sudden, it's like, ah, I don't care if these people live or die. You know? Um, the, the CW has a television show called The Flash. Huge Flash fan, right? Watched every episode. And then I think the last two seasons I haven't seen yet. 
They're still on my DVR. I have not watched them. I just don't care. You know, there's a show, um, Riverdale, right? I was really enjoying it no matter how stupid and twisted it got. Then I just didn't care. <laughs> right? I think I have like three or four seasons of that. I have no clue. Right? Um, yeah, so I, I just realized that that's just something that is going to happen with me. No matter how much I get into a show, it's going to reach a point where I just, there may reach a point, I should say, where I just don't care anymore, you know? Um, so, Paper Girls, I gave, I was going to give the first episode, right? And then I found myself really liking it, you know? And then second and third. And there's this one actor, um, who is, uh, he's a comedy actor, you know, he's a comedian, um, he does podcasts, and they're, they're comedy podcasts, and he's a, he's, he's, he's a clown, I've always seen him as nothing more than a clown, he, (laughs) he was in this, he was in Paper Girls, and the role he was in, he was so menacing, you know, when they first introduced him, I was like, oh, this fucking clown. You, you just killed it, right? Even though um, Ali Wong, who's also a, a pretty good uh, comedian, she <laughs> she was in most of the, um, the, the the first part of the season. She was in, you know, she, she, she was doing a dramatic role and she was good at it, right? And so then you have this fucking guy and I'm thinking, oh, God damn it, he's a clown. And at the end of that episode, I was like, holy shit, he's fucking terrifying, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, and I, I'm trying to not spoil <laughs> stuff because as with Sandman, I think that if you if you like the source material, you'll like this. Um, with Paper Girls, if you like the source material... You will like this because the casting in this TV show um, is is really good. It's spot on, right? The um, normally when you have shows with children, they always um, cast people who are older. You know. That's why you have, uh, what, 90210, where I think everybody was in their late 20s and shit by the time the whole show ended. They're supposed to be like teenagers. Uh, this show, they're supposed to be 12-year-olds, but they um, they cast a bunch of 16, 15 and 16-year-old girls in it. And they, all these, these, these little girls were good in their roles. Right. Um, some people said that it gave them a big Stranger Thing vibe, Stranger Things vibe, um, which I can see that because they're both pretty much based around the same time, which is uh, the in the eighties. Um, although I think Paper Girls is a few years before the first episode, the first season of Stranger Things. Um, 
but the, the 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 difference between the two is that with Stranger Things, even though the breakout star was like the 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 one girl in the first season um it was it was about a bunch of boys running around doing boy things and then things just get really weird right and there's a lot of lovecraftian um uh imagery and themes with uh stranger things in fact the more i got into Lovecraft, the more I could see these, right? But uh, where they're like, where Stranger Things is more supernatural, Lovecraftian, boys running around doing boy things, Paper Girls is on paper (laughs) uh, a book that I, a book, a property I would not really be into. You know, it's a bunch of girls running around and they get involved in <clears throat> time travel bullshit. <laughs> but <laughs> the time travel bullshit actually works. You know? Um, I really, yeah, like I said, I really, really enjoyed it, right? They even had uh, explanations <laughs> for time travel garbage that uh, a lot of other properties totally ignore um unless it's germane to the plot looking at you doctor who um and i like I, said, I really really enjoyed it i recommend it if you like the original property you will definitely like it if you are looking for something that is stranger things adjacent but hey, Stranger Things has gotten a little too self-referential for my taste, you know, um, in these later seasons, which are still good, but still it's like, oh, it's Stranger Things being Stranger Things. Um, Paper Girls is actually really good. I do recommend it, right? For a while there, if I had a conversation with anybody, I was like, hey, have you heard of Paper Girls? You should check it out. Um, I put my notes. Uh, in case you can't tell, I'm pacing while I'm uh, recording. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Last thing I'm going to talk about <laughs> is Thor, Love and Thunder, the movie. There are so many people who dislike this movie for whatever reason. There, Different people give different reasons. But uh, there's the one that nobody wants to talk about, unless you're one of these comic gator guys. You know, you don't want to mention, oh, I don't like it because it's a female Thor. Um, so <laughs> people have gone the other route, said, oh, it's too silly, it's too jokey, you know. And yeah, because I think one thing that they're sort of forgetting slash not wanting to acknowledge is that it's a story being told by Korg, who is an unreliable narrator, okay? He's the one who's trying to be jokey as he's telling the story. Because if you notice, the story gets really 
serious in points. You know, when he's not around, it, it things aren't jokey. You know, now there are things where he's probably he probably has to say, okay, I wasn't there, I didn't see this, so I'm not going to embellish as hard because I don't know what is true, what isn't. You know, um, minor spoilers. I'm trying to. I'm going to, from now on. I'm gonna to try to steer away from spoilers, but there are a couple of things that I need to bring up that may spoil the movie for you. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully you'll still watch it if you have already seen it, or if you have seen it, you'll go back and you'll watch and say, "Oh, okay, now I see what he's talking about." But um, you remember in um, Ant Man when they had Luis and he's telling stories. And he tells them really fast, and they're really joking. It's really funny. Uh, it's like that, but it's <laughs> it's Korg just telling the whole thing. You know, it's 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 weird, right? But he is very unreliable. Um, for example, the most serious part of the whole movie. Now, all right. Spoilers, you don't want to listen. Go away. Thank you. Guy here making a lot of noise, a lot of comic book noise. Comic book noise. Anyway, all right, you know, you know the ending. Anyway, when they showed Zeus, and some people told me that was the worst part of the whole thing. They made, you know, um, Russell Crowe was Zeus. It was too stupid. It was too jokey. It was, it was horrible. And that's when I'm like, yeah, because that was Korg telling the story. He didn't like Zeus because Zeus wasn't helping him out. So he wanted to relay the story of Zeus in the most obnoxious possible way ever. And Zeus came off as a ridiculous looking joke. However, contrast that Zeus to the Zeus after the post, you know, during the, the, the post credit scene. He was serious. There was no jokey, laughing, um, over-the-top hilarity from the from the, the 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 previous one. You know, he was he meant serious. It was the most serious scenes in the entire movie was that one that post match post match that post credit scene. They introduced um, this particular character, right? And it's like, yeah, you can see <laughs> that's because Korg isn't around. Korg is not telling this scene. That's why it was completely serious, right? Um, before that, there was a scene that was where Korg wasn't around that was semi-comedic because he probably heard about it from Thor. Now was the hospital scene, right? Where Thor finds out about Jane's uh, cancer, you know, and they're, they're talking. And the one really jokey part, because I'm pretty sure that, like I said, Korg is trying to be respectful because he likes these people, unlike Zeus, who he despised. Um, there was only one joke, and that's when... The they told the joke about uh, there was a refrigerator with no door, you know, which was the um, the vending machine. 
And that's not something, you know, Thor would know what a fucking vending machine is, right? He was on Earth long enough, but Korg, Korg is a douchebag. He wouldn't. Anyway, I'm, that's just, I just, I just needed to explain that because there are a lot of people who are taking it as a, as a strictly straight up comedy instead of what it was, which is, uh, 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 a very slanted story being told by an unreliable buffoon. Okay. That said, I still like the movie. Once you look at it that way, that it's just some guy assing off, then eh, you'll you'll you you may see it in a, in a different light. You may, you may not. I don't. What do I know? I don't. I don't know you. I'm just a guy out here. <laughs> I'm just a guy here talking shit, right? No, that's not how it goes. No. So I'm just a guy out here making a lot of noise, a lot of comic book noise. Take it easy. Oh, my God.